Last July 3 to 4 of 2021, we held our BP tournament Debatable InterVarsity. This episode is the post-debate analysis for the gender round, which was released as the open quarterfinals motion, as well as the juniors and novice semifinals motion. We are releasing this outside of the tournament proper on all our other platforms for the benefit of those who are unable to compete or observe in our event. We believe debate is for everyone, and this is our way of ensuring the sport stays accessible. For this one, we talked about the lived realities of many trans individuals. This motion is about whether the trans community should accept or reject the trend of cis passing as a way to get privilege in their everyday lives. It reads, This house believes that the transgender community should outright reject the notion that trans people must aspire for cis passing privilege. We would like to thank Hezron for their contribution to this important discussion. We hope you enjoy. another episode of Debatable with your hosts Nina and Kyle. I'm Nina. I'm Kyle. Today we're joined by Hezron. They are our motion contributor for this year's Debatable InterVarsity's Gender Motion. Hi! Welcome to our show. Hi Nina and Kyle. Hi everyone. Thank you so much for having me in your infamous podcast. It's my honor. <laughs> so we, we've known each other for quite a while now. But for <laughs> people who don't know you yet, how would you introduce yourself to them? Hmm. Actually depends because I would like introduce myself in lots of ways. I'm an intersectional feminist. I think um, it's important that intersectionality has to be embedded in your feminism if you're a feminist. And it's important to understand those intersectionalities and complexities of the struggles that women have to go through. But secondly, and more importantly, I think I would introduce myself as a survivor. I think as a trans woman, I've went through a lot. Like trans life is, is really hard. And I think I've survived lots of things. I've survived rejection from my family. I've survived rejection from workplace before. I've survived lots of rejection from other people. So it's an important aspect or facet of my personality that I usually introduce to other people. But I'm also like professionally, I'm also a practicing agricultural and biosystems engineer. Right now, I'm working in Department of Agriculture, specifically in Philippine Council for Agriculture and Fisheries and where the consultation arm of the department. So we're the one conducting consultations between the government and private sector and other stakeholders like farmers, representatives from the industry, commodity industries, etc. So yeah, um, I was also a debater from UPLB, shout out. <laughs> Sorry, that was too long. Okay. No, no, it's okay. First of all, we'd like to thank you for agreeing to join us today. We also want to thank you for sharing part of your story. The motion that we're going to talk about today is about the transgender community rejecting the notion that trans people should aspire for something called cis-passing privilege. So we'd like to ask you first and foremost, what is that privilege all about? Basically, in my own terms, I would say that cis-passing privilege is the concept that Transgender people face less prejudice when they are perceived as gender, which was in the info slide. So in simpler terms, it's when a trans person is perceived as the gender they identify with, at least socially and physically. So if you're a trans woman, you're perceived as cis woman, or if you're a trans man, you're perceived as a cis man, quote unquote. So people wouldn't know that you're trans or you're a, that you're a transgender unless you tell them or disclose them such information. It's a privilege because not all trans people can quote unquote pass because of a myriad of reasons, which I'll have to go through later, oftentimes because of reasons that are beyond their control. 
what does it mean to aspire for that privilege? Because from my understanding of it, it's not something everyone can achieve. So what do people do in pursuit of that aspiration? So to aspire to quote-unquote pass can vary depending on how the debaters will define it or depending on how an individual uh, would define an aspiration. But it could entail lots of things. First, um, physically. So it means making changes um, in your appearance, the way you look, and even in your um, uh, body as well. So that could mean going through HRT or hormone replacement therapy. Um, dressing in certain ways as well, or going through certain gender-reaffirming surgeries for you to look more like a cis woman, for example, or at least to look what conventionally perceived as a woman or as a man. But rhetorically as well, and on a personal level, um, aspiring for cis passing privilege means that it's the end goal of your transition. So when I'm a trans person, for example, starting my transition, or I'm in the middle of my transition, social transition or medical transition, it means that the end goal should be um, me looking a certain way. So me looking conventionally attractive, for example, or me having um, like not big boobs, but like having boobs and those kinds of things. Like just um, um, traits, for example, that are attributed to a woman or a man. And that's the end goal of my transition, something like that. So for this particular debate, what would you say the issues are that all of the teams will be, you know, arguing about? So um, the motion was uh, worded or framed in such a way that the trans community will take this particular action. So I think um, logically, um, debaters would be talking about when, why trans the trans community should reject it and why it shouldn't reject it. I think that's the most important um, issue in this particular debate. But um, issues on the impacts of this outright rejection could also come out in the debate. So most likely, it's not just about what kind of action or steps the trans community take, but, but they should also be able to talk about how trans individuals or trans people will be impacted by this particular action by the trans community. So they can also talk both on the movement or community level and on personal level as well. So how would you frame this on government? Because I was saying like, we, we always get the piece of advice where if we're talking about er any kind of movement, we should never look at it as some sort of monolith. So I, I still also think that the transgender community isn't this one homogenous thing. So what would it mean for the transgender community to reject that notion? Like, what would it mean to the people who would still aspire for passing? Does this mean that everyone will do it? Or like, what are the nuances that come with that specific word in that motion? So first disclaimer, um, I don't speak for all trans people. Obviously, all trans experiences are um, purely subjective and personal and can vary in lots of ways depending on your environment and other factors as a trans person. But in terms of framing this motion from Gov, it would first entail defining cis-passing privilege, how this over 
arcing narrative for so long has been an expectation imposed upon trans people from both within and outside of the community. If you're a trans person starting with your transition, it is like an implicit expectation for you to look a certain way in order to be respected or earn the basic human respect of your identity. So that is to say, there's this implicit concession not only within the community, but in society at large as well, that you're more likely to be respected and accepted if you can pass as a cis person. So if you're a conventionally good-looking woman, for example, or all of the attributes of what a woman should look like or a man should look like, at least um, on a social level or like from the perception of society, when you um, possess all those particular uh, particular traits, for example, or appearance, you're more likely to be accepted and to be respected with your identity. So f- uh, first, um, for Gov, I would say that they have to frame what is the responsibility of the community to trans individuals. And I would say if I were Gov, I'd say that that is to protect trans people and uplift them, help them have a fulfilling transition by guiding them, for example, or making transition easier for them. And second, characterize how the pursuit of passing as a cis person affects trans people on the individual level. Because when individuals aspire for the pursuit of passing as a cis individual, that could mean lots of things for them. It's not just like, I want to look as like a cis woman or like a cis man. It entails lots of actions and uh, tedious process. And coming from Gov, like you have to be able to um, characterize that as well. So given that you've laid down the groundwork for basically how government enters this debate by talking about the responsibility to the movement or the responsibility of the movement, as well as the struggles and characterizations faced by trans individuals, what then would you zoom into as arguments for government, especially on opening half? Um, so for government, I think like intuitively, they have to talk about how principally why it is the responsibility of trans community to outright reject the expectation or pursuit of passing in and of itself. So they have to talk about why the pursuit of quote-unquote passing as a cis woman or a cis man is the responsibility of the trans community to outrightly reject. So first, um, the goal of the trans community is to make transition easier for trans people. So transitioning in, in and of itself is already hard in lots of ways. And trans community oftentimes is the only community available and accessible to trans people, starting with their journey. And to put this additional burden on them is principally unjustified because one, it's incredibly financially expensive to go through the necessary steps to be perceived as a cis woman or cis man. Like I've said a while ago, you have to go through HRT or hormone replacement therapy, which is only available to certain uh, medical hospitals. Not all public hospitals offer this. Actually, I don't know a public hospital that offer this. The only hospitals that I know that offer HRT or hospitals like Makati Med, um, Asian Medical Hospital, those kinds of hospitals which oftentimes are expensive or high-end hospitals. So they have to go through those kinds of things like HRT and other gender-reaffirming surgeries to have that cis-passing privilege, which are inaccessible for most trans people for reasons like they do not have supportive family who can finance those operations or uh, therapy for them, or oftentimes they are discriminated in the workplace. So it's not easy to have the financial capacity to afford those operations or surgeries, which are steps 
which are necessary steps to pass as a cis person. But secondly, these aspects of healthcare are inaccessible as well and denied to trans people. Currently, there are no incentives for the state to provide such healthcare needed to look uh, and to pass like a conventional cis, conventional cis woman or man. So right now, it's very far and it's very less likely for most states to even freely provide um, HRT or gender reaffirming surgeries to trans people, and it will take perhaps very long time and lots of years before the state could even um, provide these kinds of necessary steps and aspects of healthcare for individuals in order to have that cis passing privilege. That's why the trans community have to go in and relieve trans individuals of that particular burden, because not only is it financially hard, it's also a long journey and it's a it's an arduous process and to expect trans individuals to go through that arduous process is principally unjustified especially when they don't have the necessary means and devices for them to achieve that particular cis passing privilege what would you recommend to be a good extension for the closing government perhaps before i move on to the possible extensions for closing gov i think like what's important to note for opening government is first they have to um, establish what are the goals of trans community and why in this particular debate the most important goal is to um, help trans individuals with their transition and prove why outrighting why this is the best step to help individuals um, guide them through, through their transition and um, make transition easier for them. I think that's important. So they could talk about, like they have to lay the groundwork and to uh, clearly picture paint why it's so hard to transition in such a way that your end goal is to have the cis-passing privilege. So for closing government, there are um, something there are some things that I thought of. First, they could deconstruct the concept of passing and why it's rhetorically and morally corrupt, like the concept itself. So right now, there's already a growing consciousness within the community that the concept of passing is cis-exist, which is to say that the term quote unquote cis-passing is a term that caters to the language of cis-sexism. So saying that trying a trans person, so saying that a trans person has to look more conventionally attractive or better to be perceived as the gender that you identify with and to pass a cis person, it connotes that cis people get to decide our gender and identity because you have to cater to the cis gaze or whatever is perceived of how a cis woman or cis man should look like. That's how trans people should look like as well. Uh, so right now, activists like uh, trans activists like Angelica Ross are decrying this term and that it should be called as cis assuming because when cis people say that trans people look like a real quote-unquote real or cis woman, they are assuming your gender. And that's just an assumption because trans people get to decide their gender and identity for themselves regardless of how cis people perceive them to be or how they look like. But secondly, they could also talk about why it's an unfulfilling pursuit and that trans people are more likely bound to fail if they pursue this particular aspiration. So they could talk about why aspiring for this privilege perpetuates unrealistic beauty and body standards. So um, realistically, it's not enough for trans people that they just look slightly okay, for example, like as a woman or a man. Oftentimes, it means looking conventionally attractive. So for trans women, it means 
them um, having a good nose, for example, or looking like Barbies. For trans men, that could mean for them being voluptuous or to have an attractive attractive body, etc. So the bar is incredibly higher for trans people than they are for cis people in terms of looking good and being more respected based on how they look like or based on their appearance. Um, so like just an example, um, trans YouTubers and trans actors right now who are more famous, for example, or who are more respected, oftentimes they look like Barbies or they look really conventionally good. So uh, people like um, Nikita Dragon, the, um, um, so oftentimes that's the expectation for uh, trans people to be considered as to have that cis passing privilege. So um, they just have to discuss why they are more likely to fail in this particular pursuit. And even if in the best case that trans people achieve that conventionally good look or appearance, the prejudice lies on their identity, which oftentimes will still be at play. So one way or another, other people or individuals will still find out about their identity or about their uh, about them being trans, even if they've already gone through a gender reaffirming surgery. And the moment that individuals um, know that um, they are transgender at birth, they will still more likely to judge them or reject them. So all the harms will still accrue, even if you went through all that arduous process of um, looking like a quote-unquote cis woman or man and just to have that cis privilege. So it's not a worth it pursuit because the problem and the prejudice lies on your identity, not really on how you look as a trans person. Before we move on to opposition, I actually had a question about what it means to outright reject something or in this case outright rejecting a notion as a movement what would that look like especially for people who personally would still want to have that cis passing uh, aesthetic or basically just cis pass not as a privilege but as a personal choice because that might make them happy as government, right, this is an argument we'd expect from opposition and we're likely to discuss it later as well. Okay. How would you preempt that? Or would you concede that these are people we're willing to sacrifice or also willing to somehow coerce into not having this privilege? I would say um, that the definition of the trans community outright rejecting this particular notion, it would mean... Um, various things. It could mean first, for example, um, trans groups, trans-based groups, or even trans activists would um, fight for outrightly rejecting that trans individuals in order for them to be accepted or in order for them to be respected, they would have to look a certain way. So um, on shows, for example, or on their campaigns of these movements or these particular trans-based groups, uh, they are more likely to say that we reject the expectation imposed on the trans community that we should look a certain way in order for us to be respected. But in terms of how you will preempt that argument from uh, that argument from opposition, I would say that um, movements are based on collective actions. Anyways, it's not oftentimes um, the collective or the movement goes beyond the individual because. The reason why you have that privilege to choose to um, to look like a cis person, for example, was also partly because the movement or the trans community was there to uh, fight for your cause and fight for your certain rights not to be uh, discriminated in the workplace and other forms of discrimination. So I think um, even if some individuals may, fe may, may feel invalidated when trans community lobbies or fight for the outright rejection of this particular no notion, I think in the long run, it's still more likely for more trans individuals 
to be relieved of this unnecessary burden and it's more likely for um, on net, more trans individuals will still benefit from this outright rejection of this cis-passing privilege. Because obviously, like right now, um, more, more trans individuals are less likely able to access or less likely able to afford the necessary steps or actions to be ha to have that cis-passing privilege. And more often than not, than not, majority of trans individuals are not economically well off because of the reasons that I've said a while ago. So on that, I would argue from Gov that more more trans individuals will benefit from this action. And more likely the trans individuals who will feel invalidated from this particular outright rejection are a privileged trans individuals who have um, the necessary means or financial capacity, for example, to go that, to aspire for that cis-passing privilege in the first place. I, I also wanted to ask a question about moral obligation because you hinted earlier that the only reason why they could aspire in the first place is because of all the victories that the trans community has already won to get to where you are now. So I, I want to ask, how would a debater frame or argue or characterize those victories? Like, what exactly has the community already achieved um, to empower the individual who might still be aspiring for that privilege? Um, I guess like they could talk about examples like um, victories in the U.S., for example, um, Gender Equality Act. There are some laws in different states in the U.S. right now that are in place that um, prohibits, uh, for example, public places from denying trans individuals of the bathroom that they identified with. And even in sports as well, there are some uh, state laws as well that um, allow trans individuals to compete in the category of sports that they are identified with. Those kinds of laws, like the Gender Equality Act in U.S. as well right now, there are some a form of protections, uh, protective mechanisms in place that allow trans people, or at least uh, pave the way for trans people to be less likely discriminated or harassed. Given all those characterizations on government, how do you reframe now on opposition? How do you enter the debate and sort of respond implicitly or explicitly to the strongest points that government brings up? Um, the first point of clarification here for up, I guess, would be that this concept of cis passing and the desire to pass has been in place for years and decades. So that is to say there's that social concession of what a conventionally good-looking woman or man look like already, which I would agree is bad to some extent, but the debate is about whether or not the trans community should outright reject it, meaning it's debate of what are the impacts of the community choosing to outright reject such aspiration, which is held by many trans people out there. So um, what does it mean to reject the aspiration as a trans community if I were up? How would, how would I characterize that? I would say it means that the community will outright reject wanting to pass as a cis person. So it would mean saying member, telling members of the community that your aspiration goes against our values and that aspiration and that your personal aspiration hurts the community. And to some extent, I would say that number one, that's an imposition of values. And two, it invalidates aspiration of thousands of trans people who finds personal fulfillment in looking more conventionally attractive or just wanting to make life easier for them, which I will substantiate later. Ayun, so that's more likely that's how I would clarify it if I were off. So how would you argue this now on opposition? Because like I, I was thinking earlier that since you said you're going to invalidate thousands of trans individuals, 
how would you compare that to what you were saying earlier about like you would benefit more trans people if you outright reject it? So is there like actual matter that lets us compare the number of people that you would benefit on one hand and the number of people we would invalidate on the other? So yeah, we'll talk about that later. But for op, I would say that first, um, the choice to aspire for cis passing privilege is a personal choice, like we've already tackled a while ago. And the trans community do not have the monopoly over individual choices the trans people make. So it is important to establish that there are a plethora of legitimate reasons why trans people would aspire to pass. And the first is, this is a coping and oftentimes the only safety mechanism available for trans people to shield themselves from discrimination, harassment, misgendering, and other forms of victim victimization that trans people are vulnerable to just by the virtue of being trans. So that is to say, if you pass as a cis woman, for example, if you're a trans woman, it's less likely for you to be called out or discriminated if you're in a female bathroom or less likely for cis people to have prejudice on you, even on everyday and mundane activities as well. When you're outside buying groceries, for example, or just eat, eating out, it's just less likely for you to suffer through piercing or weird stares from other people if you do pass as the gender you identify with. And I think that's perfectly valid. I think it's valid for a trans woman to want to be treated as normal or at least likely to be predisposed or at least less likely to be predisposed to be judged and harassed by other people. And to be honest, sometimes like that's all what a trans individual wants, to be treated like a normal human being and live a normal life. Because like as I've said a while ago, trans life is exhausting. To have your identity constantly scrutinized and denied and delegitimized, that's a cruel thing to go through. And if some trans individuals choose to be normal and conform to societal standards, that should be perfectly okay, especially if it means their safety and peace of mind. So I like a lot of those arguments because they sort of establish that the debate shouldn't be about the movement, but about the individual, because they're the ones that are most affected viscerally, as well as like explicitly by the things that happen around them. Given that strong framing and strong argumentation coming from opening half, if you were in closing and those arguments already came up, what would you then use to extend this debate? Okay, um, so before that, like, um, just I, I just want to note as well and to point out that um, if you're OO, you have to tie that back when you've talked about uh, uh, the personal, personal and legitimate reasons why trans individuals would opt for this particular choice. You just have to tie it back why it is the most important value that the tra trans community should ponder on, more on um, um, respecting or at least respecting that individual choice, especially if it means their safety and peace of mind. So for, so for closing opposition, um, I would first say that or argue, number one, why it's principally unjustified or for trans community to weaponize members of the trans community. So I would say it's not fair for trans community to weaponize trans individuals and treat them like batter, battering rams. Because saying that you should reject that expectation or aspiration because it's the only way for you to forward as a community and forward your cause of rejecting preconceived notions on trans people is a burden that the community should not impose on its members, especially when currently there are no viable protection or protective mechanisms available for trans people to protect them from violence and harassment. So while the community is fighting for a world where trans people can freely uh, look however they want, like having body hairs or wearing whatever clothes they want, trans people should freely be able to find refuge in coping mechanisms available to them. And right now, that coping mechanism is the most viable coping mechanism. 
Um, I would also say that the choice to reject cis passing privilege is a privilege in itself. Not all trans individuals have the luxury of a familial acceptance, which could protect them from unnecessary discrimination when they don't look conventionally good or conventionally a cis woman or a man. Or not all trans individuals as well do not have a strong support system from other members of the community. Oftentimes, all they have is themselves in this cruel world. And if they find solace in aspiring for cis privilege, the trans community should not get in the way of that. Um, they could also argue about personal fulfillment. Beyond safety, sometimes passing could be genuinely fulfilling for some, for some trans people. So trans people get to self-actualize the most with femininity or masculinity, which is to say that they are more likely to find, uh, to find confidence or build their identity with looking conventionally good or like looking like a cis individual. And I think that personal fulfillment is, and identity building is also an important value that the trans community should uh, aspire for. So I think that was a great discussion of the different nuances in the motion already. I think we can end this post-debate analysis with something a little bit more inspirational, which is we wanted to ask, what would you say to people who are struggling, not just with gender motions, but with themselves or their own genders or sexual identities as well? Yeah. Um, so before I answer that, like I just want to share as well. Um, historically, before like um, when I've adjured past tournament tournament debates, to be very honest, like I have this conundrum whether or not I should include a trans-related or trans-based motion because oftentimes if I put out a trans-based or trans-related motion, that means I'm putting myself out or it's there's that possibility of individuals or debaters um, giving out misinformed arguments about trans individuals. And obviously that's hard if you're a trans debater, for example, or if you're a trans judge hearing about those kinds of things, misinformed things about what it means to be trans individuals. So oftentimes like, I think like it's a calculated risk as well to put out like a trans-based um, motion because I think it's also important to open up debaters about trans issues because oftentimes when we talk about gender, it's in general, just LGBT individuals in general. And oftentimes we just talk more like, more pre, or we are more predisposed to talk about um, uh, gay individuals or like homosexuals as well and those kinds of things. So I think it's important to have like an emotion that is focused on um, trans issues or trans motions. So anyways, Actually, this was a bit hard for me to answer. Like when you sent this like guide question to me, like I didn't actually, I don't have notes, but I would say for trans debaters out there or for debaters or individuals who are still um, exploring their identity or who feels that perhaps um, they are trans, but they don't figure out that yet. I would say that that is okay. Um, transitioning and figure figuring out your identity is a long process and it doesn't happen like in just weeks or months. Oftentimes the aspects of your identity as a trans individual or like as a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, it's a long process and don't beat yourself up when you feel like at this point you should have already figured out what you will look like or what's your gender or um, how will you present yourself to the rest of the world? So it's a long process and give yourself a lot of time to process what kind of, what is your identity or what kind of 
uh, personal identity you want to project to the rest of the world. But secondly, um, I would also not say that it gets easier because until now, like even me as well, I don't think it gets easier like all the time. Um, it's more of like being a trans person for me, it's more of, it's, it's like a love hate and hate relationship. Um, more often than not, um, it's a win-lose situation. Um, on some days you feel confident about your identity or how you look like on some days you feel battered and you just don't want to be trans anymore. Like so there are days when I feel like if I were just a cis person, like life could have been a lot easier for me. And like just going through a lots of microaggressions and misgendering on a daily basis, that's hard. And there are times when I would wish that I was just a cis person because then I wouldn't have to go through those kinds of things. Like just beyond like major struggles like rejection from your family from your friends and those kinds of things like sometimes the everyday microaggressions they're really hard and they can make you feel um tired exhausted and even beaten down so i would say that um firstly you just have to trust the process this is the thing that i often forget and when uh trans activists like lauren cox say that you have to trust the process and you have to trust that um, despite all the struggles that you had to went through just to achieve that particular gender identity, it will all be worth it in the end. And the fact that you are able to live the kind of life and truth, the truth behind your particular identity is a really fulfilling thing in this world. Um, there's no price for that. So even if like, I experience all these microaggressions every day, the fact that I can freely live my truth and I could uh be a proud trans woman to like whoever questions me or to whoever i talk to or present myself to or interact with that there's nothing more fulfilling than that so i hope even if it's a long and arduous process i hope they trust the process and trust that in the end um it's a fulfilling journey and there's nothing more fulfilling than that actually than living your truth and uh, uh, telling the rest of the world that this is who I am and there's nothing you can say about that because this is who I am and I am the only one who have the monopoly over my gender and identity. Oh my gosh, thank, thank you so much for sharing that with us, for telling us about those experiences. I am pretty sure it's going to mean a lot to our listeners, especially those who are struggling with mm-hmm. similar things. Um, we're not going to prolong this episode anymore because I think that is what we should end on for this post-debate analysis. The fact that whenever we're debating, we're talking about real people and real experiences. Thanks for this. We'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you guys. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.